everybody. Welcome to Rachel's Reviews. We are really excited today. We know everybody is quarantined in their house and they're looking to Disney Plus and Netflix to provide them with entertainment and stress relief. <laughs> so we are going to help you out today. We are going to give you five hidden gems each, so 10 total, that you can watch on Disney Plus and uh, that you can enjoy. And it'll be really fun. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner, and I'm joined by my friend Ryan Cams here. Hey, Rachel. It's always a pleasure to uh, to be here with you. Uh, I know we all are going through, uh, through very difficult times. Uh, I don't want to make this whole thing all about what's going on, because that's not what this is about. However, in the words of a very wise man, Harvey Dent from The Dark Knight, the, the night is darkest just before the dawn, and I can guarantee you, the dawn is coming. Yeah, yeah, we'll get it through it. We'll get through it together. And uh, if any of you are sick, please, uh, hopefully you have some people that are helping you and, uh, but know that we're praying for you and we're thinking about you. And, uh, and hopefully, like I said, we can provide some more entertainment for you to get your mind off of all of this madness. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's overwhelming for all of us. It really is. So what we decided to do is we're going to pick five, like I said, uh, uh, and these aren't, for me at least, they're not in new, like a numerical order. These are just five. These aren't like my top five. Uh, and we have been talking about it. And if, if people like this, if you think it's fun, then we could come back next week and do it again because there's so many hidden gems on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, it, I was looking at the catalog earlier, and it's just like, how long does this thing go? Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's like millions of hours. Like, don't like be careful. You could get lost in here. Yeah, there's plenty of time. So you could be like a what's that Brendan Fraser movie where they they're under they're under the ground all this time, and then they come out. They're from like the 1960s, and they come out to civilization. <laughs> that would be the remake of Journey to the Center of the Earth. Oh, is that it? There, Rendon Fraser loves making movies where he is some kind of person from another dimension, you know, that's like come because he's uh, that come in. Uh, he he loves playing the, like fish out of water parts because he was in George to the Jungle. He was in uh, Encino Man. He was in <laughs> he was in the Mummy. Yeah, right. He was in Looney Tunes back in action. He was, yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden he disappeared. And it's like, I heard he was in the Doom Patrol show, which I haven't seen, but, but he just, he just up and vanished. Yeah, I know. I think he had some bad health. So that's so here's to hoping wherever he is, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, yeah. he's doing well. Yes. Uh, anyway, so, <clears throat> all right. My first choice is a little movie that I think is very underrated. It's called The Kid. This is a movie that came out in 2000. And it was right when Bruce, uh, it was the year after The Sixth Sense. And so it was when Bruce Willis kind of had a resurgence. And uh, it's him with another child actor, kind of like with Sixth Sense, but this is a totally different. Uh, and I think it's really clever. So basically he is this 
bad man of business, like, like we, we like to say on the Homeworkies podcast, he's, he's an advertising exec and he's super cold and he gets these dirty politicians off with, without anything. And he's this publicity guy and he's just, he's the worst. <laughs> and one day, the literal worst. Yeah. One day he comes, he comes home and he finds this little boy in his house and it turns out that it is himself as a 12 year old and uh and the thing I, I just love about it is that he thinks his life is so cool like he's he's just on top of the world he's super rich he's super whatever and his 12 year old self thinks he's a total loser <laughs> he's like i the little kid's like i grew up i have no i i can't fly planes i don't have a, I, I don't have a wife i don't have a dog i'm a loser <laughs> and and uh so you know he's first he, he's super annoyed but then of course their bond kind of grows and uh it it's just a really sweet movie and lily tomlin plays his secretary and she's hilarious of course emily mortimer is his kind of uh long-suffering girlfriend character anyway uh in there that she's sweet and i just i really like the whole sort of thought experiment of it you know like what if i met my 12 year old self would she think i'm a loser or would she think i was pretty cool i don't know and and so uh i i've always thought it was a very underrated little film and i've always really enjoyed it have you seen it by any chance i remember seeing it like back in 2008 or 9 uh -huh. I, I i remember there's this one scene in a diner where 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 uh, where Bruce Willis's kid self is like ordering a bunch of unhealthy food, and Bruce Willis is like, "Get him some healthy stuff." Like, if it, yeah. I think I think I'm talking about the right movie, but because yeah. he's oh. really embarrassed about the fact that his 12 year old self is just chubby, and they, it kind of all builds up to this big memory uh, that that changed his life of when he gets super badly bullied, and also his relationship with his mother is really bad and i uh, <clears throat> so yeah i i don't know i i i think i it has been a bit since i have seen it uh i will be honest but i've just always really enjoyed it and uh so <clears throat> i would say it's a hidden gem on disney plus i i'm looking up the information now and this is actually directed by john turtletop who mm -hmm. uh has a long-standing relationship with disney like he directed the National Treasure movies, which I love to pieces. They're very dumb, but I love them nonetheless. So uh, this, you've sold me, Rachel. I uh, yes. I think I'm going to be adding the kid to my watch list, and I and I'm going to check this out. Yeah, and let us know on Twitter or wherever uh, what you thought. Maybe next week, if we do this again, <clears throat> we could report back if we've seen any of them. Yeah, well, I'm adding it to the old watch list right okay. now. Because um, so John Turtletop, he also directed While You Were Sleeping, which is one of my favorite romantic comedies. Absolutely love that movie. He also directed The Meg about Jason Statham fighting a oh. gigantic shark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's your... It cannot uh, be said that Mr. Turtletop does not have rain. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so what's your first on, on your list? 
So just a quick little disclaimer before I jump into my list. Um, I picked one from all the categories that are on Disney Plus. I picked one from just main the main Disney like stream, one from Pixar, one from Marvel, one from Star Wars, and one from ah, National Geographic. Just that's so an interesting strategy. I, I believe in variety. So yeah. <laughs> if we're going to be in under quarantine for the foreseeable future, <laughs> you might as well, you know, spice it up a little bit. So for my Disney one, I chose one of my all-time favorites, Treasure Planet. Uh, this mm -hmm. came out in 2002, I believe. Uh, and this was directed by the same two guys who I believe directed The Little Mermaid and later Moana. Right. Uh, Rachel, I'm sure you're... Uh, <laughs> no, that's I'm, correct. Oh, I'm... <laughs> someone called Christian Harloff put me on movie <laughs> trivia schmodown. You nailed it. <laughs> Ron Clements and John Musker uh, were the directors. Of, they did the... Uh, they did The Great Mouse Detective, Little Mermaid, Hercules, Aladdin, they're, they're legends. And the th interesting thing about this movie, if you, want, if you want a little backstory, is that they were super passionate about Treasure Planet. From, from the beginning, when they were first pitching ideas before the Renaissance, even before Little Mermaid, they wanted to make this space Treasure Planet movie. And they pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And then finally, <laughs> They, 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 they uh, basically like made a deal that if if we if we make Hercules, then we will make we'll finally let you make Treasure Planet, and it still took a while I think, a while to to make it, but they made finally got their their space. They worked for like twenty years to get the space Treasure Planet movie. Made. And unfortunately, it bombed. It only it made a hundred million dollars on a one hundred and forty million dollar budget. So yeah, it's a, uh, which it, was it's very a, sad. Yeah, it was. It's kind I, of a I, weird I, movie to market because it's just such a strange idea. Uh, but this is true. Yes, <laughs> because why are they? Why are they flying around in space? Why don't they need helmets or like what is happening? But like, if you just kind of, I guess, suspend your suspend your disbelief that's then, wh that's what yeah. i always do yeah. but um i i also believe treasure planet was also a victim of bad timing because this came on the tail end of the disney renaissance which right. in many regards was like the peak time for like disney in terms of creativity right like they could do no wrong from like the early 90s up to the mid 2000s like they were just they were just on top of their game and I believe Treasure Planet and Atlantis, basically that crowd just got just got unfairly compared to those and it, they were seen as lesser. Now, I'll be the first to admit that Treasure Planet is not perfect. There are there's definitely some awkward animation. The 3D mixed with the 2D animation, in many cases, doesn't work. But what I always come back to is the story. It's got a great story. And it's got a great message. Uh, it's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt before he would go on to become Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, I believe before this, he was only known as being in Halloween H2O. So that's definitely a step up for Mr. Uh, Mr. Gordon-Levitt. But I love the father-son dynamic that he has with uh, the captain. I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, it's uh, John Silvers. Thank you, Captain John Silver. And uh, 
and I just love the design of him with the the cyborg guy and the the hand that can turn into a gun and a sword and just it's great stuff but I just love the story and I love the music too this movie has two great songs uh, I'm Still Here and Always Know Where You Are which was sung by John Rzeznik I believe I said his mm -hmm. name right who's the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls uh, I I listen to those songs regularly today. So um, I, I, I think this is partially due to nostalgia, but mm -hmm. I just, I've always loved Treasure Planet. I get that it has problems, but it's one of those movies that if you give it a chance, I think it's definitely worth it. For sure. I, it's, there's some problems I have a little bit with the pacing and, and there, I, I do wish it had actually more songs I think that would have been nice, but I I uh, I, I think it's uh, it's a classic story. Treasure Planet, is, Treasure Island is a classic story for a lot of Indeed. reasons, and I think that they do a good job with the heart. Some of the comic relief could be better, but, uh, but I I will I will give you that as a Martin Short fan, uh, uh, he he <laughs> definitely gets a little grating, but yeah, and the, the but the heart, especially between Jim and Long John, is uh, Long John Silver's is really quite good, and yeah, you know, the other thing that hurt Treasure Planet is that you have. Uh, the the rise of 2D animation. I mean, th you have the real like season of of CG animation. But I mean, that was the same year that Shrek came out. It was the same year that you know it was just in between like Finding Nemo and and uh, Monsters Incorporated and just this treasure trove of you know Pixar at its heyday. Uh, so you know that that was also kind of bad luck for sure. Uh, that they had but I I think that it's a classic story for a reason and I think the animation is very beautiful and it's very creative uh, you know nobody nobody can deny it that for that's for sure this this like really strange idea of traditional ships in space like what but, I, uh, I will I will acquiesce in that regard and in, in saying like watching this back in 2020 and like seeing it I'm like how are they like is there like a force field giving them oxygen <laughs> like how does this work but you know physics aside this is a movie that I always yeah. do come back to yeah. it's one of my fondest childhood memories my dad took me to see this Aww. when I was like five or six and nice. it's always stuck with me so yeah it's definitely a, it's a good choice very good all right so my uh my next choice is a comedy we all we all need to laugh through these stressful times and because if we don't we'll cry yeah <laughs> mine is a little comedy called alexander and the terrible horrible no good very bad day i went oh into that's the steve carell one right yes so I went into this movie extremely skeptical because I love the book. The book is so sweet and just this lovely message. And uh, I just, I thought, oh, they're just going to turn it into the slapstick. They're going to ruin the book. And hey, and I went, but then I watched it and I was pleasantly surprised yes they throw in a lot of ridiculous slapstick but i felt like they actually pulled it off and i was laughing and uh it it, it keeps that sweetness 
from the book i mean it, it's i mean it's a very short book so they had to add a lot and, and whatever but um basically the this it's just this kid who like he gets gum in his hair and everybody's mean to him and he's frustrated with his brother and his sister and his mom and just and so he wishes that he could have a uh, have a perfect day so then the next day uh the he uh he finds that basically like everybody is uh it, the it, anyway he sees his wishes like come true but uh of course like most of these kind of things uh it causes a lot of problems for uh his family and uh and by the end he wants to have things back to the way that uh the way that they were and it's just really cute and funny there's a hilarious scene where his older brother goes to the dmv to get his driver's license and jennifer coolidge is the instructor and she is so funny and steve carell is funny and jennifer garner is great and uh so there's even an appearance by the thunder down under <laughs> which is kind of hilarious uh because anyway so yeah i i enjoy it and i think you should yeah, give it a shot. It'd be a really fun movie to watch as a family and just all laugh together. I think I may have to take your word on it, uh, Rachel, because when I saw the trailer for this movie, this never happens to me. I try and give every movie I see a chance, but when I saw the trailer for this movie, I cringed. I yeah. cringed so hard because <laughs> this was like, this felt like the most cheap slapstick you could possibly find. Plus, it was, I, it's, it's dated by even today's standards. Like the the older brother's like, you know, I'm hashtag blessed, you know? And I'm just like, who says that? Like who says that in real life on yeah. earth? So I, I guess my <laughs> 2014 self did judge the book by the cover, but seeing as you have discussed it and have given it such praise i think i will give it a chance and I, I mean, this this is something that i never do like when i see a trailer no matter how bad it is i'm like i've seen bad yeah. trailers to excellent movies and i've seen great trailers to bad movies it's just a trailer but for this one i just made an exception yeah. but now <laughs> ha since since you've yeah. talked it up so much i think i may have to uh take a leap of faith yeah like I feel like there's not very many quality live action comedies for families. Uh, there's like uh, some of the, some of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies are fine. Uh, there's a few every once in a while. Of course you have something like Paddington, which is the best, but, uh, oh, and I, this is not on that level. I'm not saying it, but a lot of it is like playing with fire or just these movies that are just not good. And, I I feel like it's pretty rare that you get something for the whole family that's funny, that's sweet, uh, that's not animated. <laughs> uh, as much as I love animation, I think it's nice to have. I mean, I love those comedies from like the those Disney comedies from the '60s and '70s uh, that they used to make live action, like The Shaggy Dog and The Absent-Minded Professor and uh, North Avenue Regulars, movies like that that uh, were funny and sweet and great for the whole family to all watch together the parent trap stuff like that and uh, i wish that and, and i'm hopeful that with disney plus 
that we start to get more of those kind of films because for a long time the only thing we were getting from disney was big big budget movies they were only uh, doing that, like pirates of the caribbean and all that other stuff. yeah i mean and or you know you obviously have your marvels and your and your uh your star wars and all that other stuff but I'm hoping that with Disney Plus, they start making some smaller films, uh, some you know more like family comedies, family dramas, uh, things like Timmy Failure, which I loved, and I almost put on this list, but I was really trying to dig a little deeper. I have heard good things about Timmy Failure. I, I haven't seen it, but I yeah. um, I will definitely check it out. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was so sweet and funny and I just loved it. And I also loved Togo, which was a drama. It was I thought so good and so that's my hope for Disney Plus is that we get these smaller uh live action comedies and dramas. Uh and I think that this one is worth checking out. I'm not I'm not saying it's the greatest movie ever made, but it made me laugh. It had a sweet enough message. Uh, and uh, it's about a family, so uh, it's something that I think people will enjoy. So what's your number two? Well, uh, one last note before I go on. Uh, I remember seeing the trailer for Togo, and I was thinking to myself, oh, this is what The Call of the Wild should have been. Yeah, you know, in every way, <laughs> that's the case. <laughs> uh, so my number two is my choice from Pixar. Now, when discussing Pixar, like Pixar has such a very high standard of quality that choosing anything that's underrated is kind of, it, it's kind of weird, but I chose a Pixar movie that really, I feel like doesn't get talked about too much nowadays. And it's personally one of my favorite Pixar movies and that's Ratatouille. This is the Brad Bird directed Pixar movie that nobody talks about because The Incredibles and The Incredibles 2 are so great. But everyone forgets that he also directed Ratatouille as well. Uh, I feel like Ratatouille is underrated because it is surrounded by so much quality. Like, I believe in, I believe in a couple years before that, they had made, a, uh, or a year, bef a year after that, they would make Up. I had a brain fart there. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was it was literally like a guppy in the Pacific Ocean, like in terms of quality. But I've always come back to Ratatouille because I've just thought it was so funny. It's one of my it's it's one of the funnier Pixar movies. If if I'm being honest, my favorite moment in that movie is when Remy is seasoning the soup when he's really stretching out his culinary muscles. And he's seasoning the soup. He's making it really good. And he's about to toss in the last of the spices. The music is kicking in. And then Linguini catches him throwing in the last of the spices. And the music just stops. And Linguini's like, huh! and Remy's like, looks at him and then drops in the last of the spices. And the music goes, blum. I just laugh my head off every time I see that. But, um, it's not only funny, but it also has a phenomenal message of mm -hmm. not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere, which yeah. is directly from the monologue that comes at the end from Anton Ego, who yeah. is a very underrated character arc mm -hmm. in Pixar lore because he starts out the movie as like basically what everyone thinks a critic is stuffed into a Christopher Lee action figure. He is <laughs> snooty, nothing impresses him, but then he goes to Gusteau's, he has that ratatouille, 
he puts it in his mouth and it's just like a transcendent experience of when he remembered a simpler time in his life. And then he's like, I'd like to thank the chef. And they reveal it, it, it as Remy. And then he's just, he calmly, he calmly leaves. He writes up his review saying, not everyone can become a great artist, but a great artist can come from anywhere. And then is promptly fired, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is just kind of sad. But yeah. to put the period at the end of the sentence, uh, Ratatouille is a Pixar movie that really does not get talked about anymore. I don't know if it's because Brad Bird has really never directed a bad movie, or at least yeah. one that I didn't like, or it's just the fact that Again, it's like a small fish in a massive pond, but I think everyone should revisit Ratatouille because I believe it's excellent. Yeah, I agree with you. This is obviously a movie that I hold dear to my heart as a film critic. It's something I think about what uh, what Ego says uh, with uh, the, as we as critics, that the negative reviews are fun to write, but we must understand that even the... Uh, the uh the 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 most the the biggest trash is is worth more than our our uh work designating it so but then he says but every critic has the opportunity to be in the defense of the new he's like the new needs friends and i think about that all the time that that hopefully something that i say can encourage people to check out something that they wouldn't have seen otherwise that they that they would have not even heard about it or that they wouldn't have given a chance like you here now you alexander and the teller holder day like you live for those moments as a critic where you can introduce somebody to something new and uh you know think about the people i've introduced to your name for instance which i love and uh and that's that's where the the rewarding uh situation and it's just important to remember that like even people that i make something that i think is terrible they've made something what have i made and and it's a good grounding for me to remember that and i still need to be honest with my opinion but i think it just helps to have that in the back of your in the back of your mind as a critic that they at least made something what have i made zero (laughs) i made nothing (laughs) That is a solid point. So anyway, I love it. It's a very good choice. Beautifully animated too. I mean, Paris never looked better, which is amazing when you think about it coming from the perspective of a rat. And I hate rats. I hate rats so much. So that that's the mm. only thing that's hard. Like that scene, the scene at the beginning with all of the rats in the house, that one, that's, that's, that's a lot for me. <laughs> I hate you rats and, uh, so much. You and Indiana Jones's father uh, yeah. should get a drink sometime. Ew. I hate rodents so much. Ugh. So gross. Uh, but anyway, hopefully with the new uh, Ratatouille ride at uh, Disney World, that uh, they they will uh, the movie will get a bit of a bump. So yeah, here's to hoping. Yeah, but anyway, very good choice. Okay, my third choice is from the Disney Nature Family. And a lot of people probably haven't seen these movies and you really should give them a shot. They're so entertaining and sweet and uh, kids will love them. But the one that I picked uh, is, I love the Crimson Wing one. It's so good. Uh, But the one I picked is Chimpanzee. And the cool thing about Chimpanzee, I won't give it away. I won't be a spoiler because uh, something happens 
that nobody expects which is so exciting for a nature movie like literally at one point they have to have jane goodall come on and she's like this never happens this isn't a thing this is crazy and everybody is just like all the filmmakers are just shocked and it, it's it's really cool <laughs> i mean just that nature could surprise you that way and it, you know sometimes with some of these disney nature films they can feel a little uh kind of uh, a little manufactured they, they sort of like for instance in the monkey kingdom there's this whole birthday party set up where there's like a whole cake left out and a whole and it's kind of like uh i don't think that this was just like organically there i think they created this situation you know with the monkeys uh so it can feel that way and they give like they give the care they give the monkeys or the they give the uh, subjects like names and they try to create this narrative and sometimes that can feel a little false a little phony but in the case of chimpanzee because it was just so unexpected it really works and uh, i think it's 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 really fun it's a really fun film and so people should check it out i have a quick story about the first uh, disney nature movie they released i believe it was called earth yeah uh, they showed the trailer in theaters like 75 times, and I think I managed to see every one of them. And when the little bird falls out of the tree, like, and it lands and it walks off, for some reason that always gave me nightmares because I always thought that the bird was hurt or something, and I didn't want the bird to be hurt because it looked so adorable, and I just... I'm getting a little weirded out just thinking about it because I didn't want the bird to be hurt. <laughs> Someone save the bird. Yeah. I mean, those early ones I think were were kind of acquisitions from the like the UK and other 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 studios and then they started making their own. Uh and uh and then that's when they got into the the, the real like narrative of uh of, I mean to be honest Disney made nature documentaries for going all the way back to Walt Disney's time. They made nature documentaries. So it's always been a part of the company. But as far as uh, those early Disney nature films, I think those were acquired from like Planet Earth and stuff like that. But, um, uh, but in the, so then they started uh, making more of uh, sort of narratives out of them. And those early ones are, they're a little dry. <laughs> in my opinion, those early ones, they get a little bit better, but they're always beautiful to watch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Whoever does the cinematography on all those movies like, like deserves a raise because yeah. every one of those movies looks fantastic. Yeah. And you're just and watching and you're like, how did they get those shots? Unbelievable. And uh, in the, uh, the most recent one, the Penguins one, which was pretty cute, there's just this amazing scene with this uh, little penguin that uh, there's this elephant seal and he is, the elephant seal is so close to eating him eating the penguin and he like right next to his face and he just acts dead in the water and i was like no way that's not gonna work no way it's this giant seal and it totally worked he just it was amazing and the seal just just like kind of pretty quickly lost interest and moves along and then the little penguin like <laughs> comes goes and and gets back out of the water and i was just like wow 
Some puzzles are not meant to be solved. Yeah, I was so, it was so fun. So anyway, but I think chimpanzee and like I said, the crimson wing, those are my two favorites. The crimson wing, they set it up as if it's like Lord of the Rings with this like narrator and you get so mad at these, uh, at these birds that are like, and these other predators that are killing the, the birds. And there's like these tiny little pelicans with these, they get these salt shackles on their, on their ankles and they're running along with salt <laughs> and you're like ah and they, they've got these he's like i forget what what the predators were i can't remember but these little tiny little pal- <laughs> flamingos with their tiny little salt shackles and they're running and 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 the narrator's like good and evil persist in the in the crimson wing and i don't know it's really good and so <laughs> That's what I have for my third one. Uh, what do you have for your third one? Uh, one more thing before we move on. My personal favorite Disney nature one is African Cats, uh, narrated yeah. by Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, that one gets pretty intense. There's some carnage. I I, uh, I just uh, I was going yeah. through a bit of a lion phase back yeah. then, so uh, <laughs> so that was like that was like the perfect thing for me. And I yeah. specifically remember there was this one part where. Samuel L. Jackson was like, he owns the Northern Territory. And I was like, I'm like, wow. Like, who would have thought lions just minding their own business would get so intense? I'm sure that they were thinking like, hey, what are those cameras over there? We're just sitting here in the sun. Like, what? why do they think this is so interesting? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good one. It's a, it's a very good one. So what do you have at number three? So my number three coming from the Marvel side of things, this is, uh, this is a TV series called Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. This only ran for, I believe, two seasons, but they were two very good seasons. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that Earth's Mightiest Heroes is like the greatest comic book movie television show ever. It's not. It's clearly very much meant for like, like, little kids like going into teens it's very much meant for kids it's not it's not matching like the tone of some of the darker mcu movies but i gotta give this show credit for introducing me to a lot of the characters that i would see in the mcu i would not have known about black panther if it wasn't for this show he has an entire episode dedicated to him I, it's called Panther's Quest, and 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 I learned all about his backstory, like from I learned about Wakanda, learned about uh, everything, like passing down the passing down the lineage of the Black Panther, all from that from that episode. And my enjoyment of the Black Panther movie was up to tenfold because I because I watched the Panther's Quest episode of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And when Black Panther appeared in Civil War, I was so excited because I'm like, oh, he was from Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And the show had just wrapped up by that point. But the show also has some kind of darker episodes. Like it, there's a two-parter called Gamma World. And then, and then they do the entire Kree scroll invasion where half of the Avengers turn in turn out to be scrolls which they seem to be planting in the mcu right now so it so avengers earth's mightiest heroes pretty much did it all first uh 
to put the period at the end of the sentence, it's got great animation. It's got some really cool storylines. Again, not the greatest thing ever. It's clearly meant for little kids, but I had a lot of fun with it back when I was growing up and watching some episodes back for this, I still had a lot of fun with it. I have never seen this, so that that is very exciting. I'll definitely have to check it out. It's it's definitely uh, it's definitely underrated, especially you know I I I guess maybe I'm turning into the you know back in my day our shows were better, but back like today's kids TV shows, I just don't really think are that good. And this may be coming from yeah. you know the old man yells at the cloud type of thing, <laughs> but an old man and I'm 22. But regardless. <laughs> I, I just, I think Earth's Mightiest Heroes was just awesome. It should have gotten more seasons than it did, but there there we are. Yeah. No, I've heard some good things about the Marvel animation. I That's one thing I, I really need to dive into more because, so anyway. <laughs> All right. My number four uh, is a Disney Channel uh, a film from, uh, from the 80s, actually. And it's a kind of an old school family horror movie called Mr. Boogity. And if it's not that long, uh, it's just this really fun, if you like sort of early Tim Burton, early kind of uh, maybe the early Universal Monster movies, something that's scary, but it's not like too scary. If you're looking for something to kind of introduce the tropes of horror to your kids without like traumatizing them, this is a really good one. Uh, I have actually reviewed it on my channel uh, if uh, if people want to check it out, uh, for every year I do a Disney Scares Month, and I've done it now. This two, 2020 will be my fifth year doing it. So I've reviewed Mr. Boogity and the Bride of Boogity, and they do just a really good job of building kind of atmosphere and uh, and making it's kind of a spooky sort of haunted haunted house movie uh, that uh, that I think that people will will really enjoy because I think it's perfectly fine to introduce your kids to to you know horror movies. You just have to pick the right ones. Uh, yeah, are, kids are indestructible. You can show them anything and they'll yeah. be fine. <laughs> and it's directed by this guy named Oz Scott. And I just think he put a lot of fun and creativity and atmosphere in uh, into it. And so I, I think I think people enjoy it. It's uh, it's it's a good little good little introductory horror movie for kids you were mentioning that there was a mr boogity and a wife of boogity was there a son of boogity (laughs) there should be maybe if we get people to watch it there'll be a demand we can get a (laughs) a revival a revival be like the disney monsters universe (laughs) or something (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's only 45 minutes so it's, it's it's a it's not a traditional movie length but i had actually never heard of this one until you had brought it up like i was scrolling through the through the uh through the disney plus catalog and i was like mr boogie what the heck is this and then i saw the thumbnail and i'm like there's this scarred up guy he's hooded and he's got like a green aura around him he looks like freddy krueger's younger brother yeah and there's some fun jumps and some fun uh there's a backstory to who mr boogity is and uh it's 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 a lot of fun so i so what do you have as number four 
So jumping off into a galaxy far, far away, this is my Star Wars representative. And Star Wars is a bit of a hot topic nowadays. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, finding, finding one for here was pretty tricky because in terms of like Disney Star Wars, like there's not a ton of content out there. Uh, like most of the movies are pretty well respected by literally everyone. Right. So, uh, so I was looking through and I finally decided to just go with my gut and my <laughs> choice is Star Wars, the Clone Wars, the television show. Mm -hmm. uh, this was one of the first TV shows that I remember setting time out of my way to watch every Friday night. I watched all the seasons with my dad. It was like our little tradition. And uh, they uh, they would always announce it uh, like on their Friday lineup on Cartoon Network, and Star Wars: The Clone Wars always kicked it off. It was on at eight o'clock every Friday night, so I never missed it. And this was before DVRs, kids. If if you missed it, you missed it. Like it was off in yeah. the ether, and like the greats, like unless you happen to get it on VHS on uh, on uh, recording, that was always really yeah. exciting. Now, kids, if you don't know what VHSs are, these, they're these little blocks with tape inside of them, and you could burn right. onto there and could go back and forth. But anyway, miracles. In in all seriousness, though, uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars uh, came around at the right time for me because I remember watching the prequels and initially loving them, but then it was like, uh, yeah, and then it was like the more I thought about it, the worse they got. Like. It was, I was in a period of, I loved them, then I hated them, then I couldn't even stand them to the point where people were complaining about The Last Jedi being like the thing that killed Star Wars. No, the prequels killed it. Like, <laughs> I was one of those people. Yeah. Uh -huh. But around the time of The Force Awakens, or well, actually, no, that's wrong. Let me back that up. By the time The Clone Wars came out, like, I was kind of done with it. So, like, when I watched The Clone Wars, I was like, wow. These are like the prequels characters doing badass things it, on new planets in like massive space battles. So like, this is amazing. And going back and watching some episodes, especially for the final season, which was just released, watching Star Wars The Clone Wars now, it's brilliant, especially compared to the stuff that we have now. But that is another conversation for <laughs> another time that I would prefer not yeah. to think about right now. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I haven't seen the new season yet, uh, which I'll probably be doing that. I, and I actually haven't watched all of it, but I've watched enough of it to know, uh, of the Clone Wars, to know that it's really well done. I loved Rebels. I was a huge fan of watched Rebels. the first season of Rebels all the way up until the season finale, which I won't spoil in case anyone hasn't seen it. But what makes the Clone Wars so good is that they... Number one, they took the characters of the prequels that were not really done all that well mm -hmm. and were just, they had their strengths absolutely magnified. Anakin was just awesome. Obi-Wan was awesome as well, as he usually is. And they made a new character out of Ahsoka Tano, who became, eventually became my favorite. She started out as kind of like the whiny apprentice, but by the end, she was like wielding two lightsabers. And by the time mm -hmm. Rebels rolled around, she was like, you know, she was, awesome. she was amazing. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that the Clone Wars actually made me care about the clones. The clones look exactly alike. 
and they made me care about Rex and mm -hmm. Cody and Wolf and they had entire storylines <laughs> with just the clones and they yeah. were amazing. There was this one episode, I can't think of the name of it right now, but it's about a clone deserter who goes off and starts a new life for himself yeah. who has a wife and, and kids and it asks the question of, you know, is this war truly worth it? And if so, when, when does it end? You know, it's like, it's really deep stuff coming from Star Wars at a time when Star Wars morale was at an all-time low. I mean, even lower than it is now. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good choice. I think that, that Clone Wars is great for those established characters and rebels is great if you just want totally new characters i mean there's cameos and few little things but for the most part it's these new characters and it's just really well done i think that dave filoni has is is as close as what star wars disney has right now in kind of my idea of what i wish the star wars to be i think he, he gets doesn't it. he doesn't get enough credit yeah like i love the clone wars animated movie that was released basically as a prelude to the to the clone wars tv show he was one of the main creative forces behind the tv show and he was one of the main creative forces behind the mandalorian which is right. in my opinion the best thing that disney plus has produced as of yet mm -hmm. so yeah like the dude does not get enough credit yeah. for all the good will that he is that he is doing because yeah. certainly jj abrams isn't but that's again neither right. here nor there <laughs> Well, so my fifth choice, uh, final choice, is a movie from 2016 called The Queen of Cotway. And one of the cool things that Disney did for a long time is these like little sports movies. It was like their one little film <laughs> that they would do every year or so. Uh, and they're almost all good, uh, whether it's Miracle or Million Dollar Arm or uh, here, Queen of Cotway. And this is, I mean, it's loosely, as far as if you consider chess a sport, but it's in that family of those kind of movies. And Glory Road, is, there's just, there were a bunch. And this movie, uh, I think, first of all, like we, so often we see these kind of, these, uh, I don't know what you call them, these uh, slums, but that seems not the right word, but these were these like, little kind of houses in that are made out of tin uh the the shacks kind of that are made in and there's just like assumption there's this uh, there's this assumption that people that live that way must be like miserable if that makes sense and what i liked about this is it showed that people can be in less than ideal situations as far as housing and still be positive and uh still want good things for their children and still like i don't know i i just thought that it was a really human portrayal of these characters and lupita nyong'o is the mother and she is so good in it and uh david uh david uh oh yellow yeah he plays the kind of the teacher who ends up finding this chess prodigy in uh, and he's great and the, the young woman who uh, the actress she does such a great job and her first film she had never done anything before and uh, there's a couple different parts of the movie that are completely devastating that you think 
Like, how can things possibly get worse for this family? And then something will happen. And it, and it goes to some pretty dark places, especially for Disney, where uh, there's, there's a scene where the mother is kind of tempted to basically become like a mistress to this man so that she can pay to, for the expenses for her daughter to go to this chess uh chess championship and uh and then also like her daughter the girl's sister is basically kind of for lack of a better word kind of prostituting herself um and uh with this man and so there's just a lot of pretty deep stuff like it's it's not like it's all kind of kept under the surface but it's there and uh and just a lot of challenges a lot of hard things but it's also very hopeful and there's a triumphant feel about it and i just love it i think it's so good and it it's just one of those movies that fell through the cracks that nobody saw uh but it's got great acting it's really well made uh, and it's a it's an inspirational story and it's a chance to see i think a whole different nation a whole different way of life in a maybe a different light than you'd ever seen it before yeah i remember when this movie came out i remember it specifically because it came out in like the first or second month that I had started working at my local movie theater. Mm. And I remember when it came out, I was like, I didn't, I didn't, I only saw like a couple scenes of it, but I remember those scenes specifically, including Lupita and Yango. And I was like, wow, that Lupita and Yango is awesome. She's yeah. going places. And of she's course, so nowadays, good. she's been in Us, which I was not a big fan of, but I thought she was absolutely the mm -hmm. best part of. Well, and of course, and, she's Academy Award-winning actress in okay. 12 Years a Slave. And, and uh, David O, well, he, he's, you know, he was Martin Luther King in Selma. In Selma he's a great actor. Really yeah. So it's... He, he, it's was a, also, he was also the corrupt head of the science company that James Franco worked at in Rise of the Planet. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So it's, I think it's a hidden gem. I really like it. So people should check it out. Uh, next week, when we come back and do this again, I may have another sports movie that uh, that definitely fell under the rug, but uh, definitely has something uh, for me. But that I'll save that for next week. Cool. All right. So what is your last choice? Uh, we are going to the wild now and talking about something from National Geographic. And this is something fairly recent from last year. This was among the first batch of content that was introduced when Disney Plus launched, and that is The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Uh, mm. I love Jeff Goldblum. I think that he is, I think that he is an awesome actor. He's been in so many movies that I love, like Jurassic Park, Independence Day, The Fly. You know, he's the, he's in the MCU now. So like the dude has had like a career resurgence. And in this show, he's basically like, he has a childlike whimsy about everything that he sees. He's like, oh, what does this do? And like the dude has more money than I will ever see in my lifetime. And yet he consistently has a boundless imagination and just a natural charisma that I wish I could have. Uh, if you're going to start off with an episode of the show, I would recommend you start with the ice cream episode. That is my favorite. He goes to the Ben and Jerry's factory. He sees the flavor graveyard, which is hysterical. He goes to this little ice cream place called Salt and Straw, 
where I believe they make this ice cream involving crickets, which sounds disgusting, but there you go. Uh, the World According to Jeff Goldblum is just, it's, it's just a really cool show. I've always loved shows where people go to different places and like ask like how that's made. Yeah. Like, I remember one of my favorite shows growing up. I've, I'm not sure if you've heard of this, Rachel. It's a show called Globe Trekker. It's like this one person will go to like a country and they'll just travel all around and they'll explore all the stuff around it. Like, I remember there was this one British gentleman who traveled all throughout the UK. He started off at the White Cliffs of Dover and he just worked his way through and they showed how they made pasties and it just looked... It looked amazing. So yeah. period at the end period at the end of the sentence, the world according to Jeff Goldblum was just it was just a lovely show and I heard that it just got greenlit for a second season oh, and and I cannot wait. Yeah. I really enjoyed it as well. And so yeah, I also like you love seeing how things are made. Uh in fact, even when I was when I was very little, I used to love on Mr. Rogers when they would go in the picture. And, uh, oh yeah, yeah, and they would go to you know you find out how something was made, and so I've always been a big fan of that. And uh, yeah, it was a really good show. I mean, he's just so so likable that you can't you can't go wrong. So if people haven't seen it, I feel like it was pretty popular. That's my only my only question with you having it on your list is I feel like is it really a hidden gem? Uh well. <laughs> It's okay. I, I'm fine. But, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it was, it was really sweet. I really, I really enjoyed it. So <laughs> uh, next week I'll have a, I'll have an obscure one. Okay, good. <laughs> well, let us know what you think. If you've seen any of these, uh, what, what did you think? And if you watch them, let us know on Twitter or in the comment section, what you think. And we let us know what you think of this whole idea. We're probably a little long-winded. We'll, we'll be a little bit better next week as we get the hang of this, but, uh, but, uh, it's been a lot of fun and we, we we're doing this hopefully to help you. So let us know your thoughts. And, uh, and so Ryan, how can people find you? Uh, well, I have a YouTube channel where I talk about movies and TV shows and the like. Just go to YouTube and search Ryan Cam or Ryan Cam Movie Reviews. It'll take you straight there. My channel uh, is about as big as it's ever been. Uh, I just hit 85 subscribers and then someone knocked me down to 84, which was oh, kind of sad. <laughs> but it, the channel is growing every day. Uh, and honestly, with no new movies coming out for probably the next month, maybe more, I'm going to be upping my, vi my upping, like, my different uh, content. I'll be, yeah, be doing more, uh, more videos on the Twilight Zone. I talk about, uh, I review an episode of the Twilight Zone, the Twilight Zone vlogs. Uh, I've got a new series coming out uh, where I review every movie on the AFI's top 100 list. It's something that I've always wanted to do, but because, you know, there were so many new releases, I never really had the opportunity to do. So I'm going to be dusting that off and giving it for a spin. And tomorrow or the next day, or I'm not sure when this will be released, but coming soon... I'll be releasing my next video, which is I finally saw Goodfellas. It's bouncing off no of a way. very popular video that I did uh, called I Finally Saw Parasite. I and just barely reviewed Goodfellas on my blog for my Blind Spot project just this month. Oh, you did? 
in March. Yeah. I never seen it either. Wow. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Note <laughs> to self need a new topic. Before <laughs> I finally saw. <laughs> no, 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 no. But that's kind of amazing that we both picked it for March. That's, that's cool. Uh, anyway, <laughs> cool. I, that, that I would look forward to, uh, to watching that. That'll be fun. And then you can uh, find me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at RyanCam20 with the numbers two zero. Cool. Very good. Well, you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all for social media, iTunes, YouTube, and everywhere, and, uh, and on Rotten Tomatoes. And you can find me at the Hallmarkies Podcast. We're, can, we're going on full, full steam, Hallmarkies Podcast. So definitely check that out. And, uh, and so this was really fun. We'll see you all hopefully next week. And, uh, and please subscribe to the channel. Give us a thumbs up. Really appreciate that. Uh, and if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us your ratings and reviews. That helps us out so much. And then we also have uh, our, my Patreon group, which is really, uh, which is really great. And we, uh, we have a merch store with tons of fun stuff. So check all that out. It's all in the description section. And thanks again, Ryan. This is really fun. And enjoy Disney Plus, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everyone. No pressure, but you should totally subscribe to Rachel. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> we'll see you guys. Bye.